episode 64 of This Developing Story. So this week has actually been full of learning. Definitely a lot of learning uh, going on with me. Um, I'm actually getting a lot of students uh, through some JavaScript. I'm actually noticing JavaScript is it's definitely a, a, it's a challenging language to learn, especially just all the nuances and why things are like why they're the way they are. Um, for example, equal and triple equals, like what's that? Like how do I explain that? Like how do I explain that properly so that way someone who doesn't know anything about code understands that? Um, null and undefined is another question that comes up a lot. Like what's the difference between the two? Like I can explain that now, but I had to do a lot of learning to like make sure like I understand that, that kind of thing. Like I think I've, I've got to the point um, three years now of actually coding where I'm now taking things for granted that I never took for granted before. I actually mentioned this with my last episode with Saran, but um, yeah, yeah. It's like it's small little things that I, I just see every day that I just know how to do. I don't really, can't really say I know how to explain it. So I think what I'm going to try to do is start doing some more blog posts about um, some of these like small concepts. There's some things that I, I, I come up to all the time, but um, don't even think about until I have to teach somebody who's brand new to code how to do this. Um, other than that, um, mentoring has been great. It's been uh, a pretty stretching experience too. Like I mentioned, uh, I get to think about things I don't, I haven't thought about in such a long time, um, which is awesome. So uh, yeah, if you're interested in learning how to code and you have been eyeing block for the longest time, um, feel free to reach out to me and let me know. Also, sign up for Block and choose me as your mentor. Um, outside of that, I have on this episode, I've got Kanan McFarlane. Um, he's actually somebody that I met at the React.js training um, at Pinterest. He's actually a Pinterest engineer currently. Recently moved to the Bay Area, but he's actually been coding for quite some time now. Um, and uh, he's got some pretty awesome experiences and some insights that he brings up um, just from coding so long. Um, and... Uh, being involved in the, in the ecosystem too as well. So without further ado, here is Kanan McFarlane. Uh, my name is Kanan McFarlane um, and I'm currently a software engineer at Pinterest. Um, I previously uh, did the same type of work at eHarmony down in Los Angeles. And I got into programming, I would actually say that it started with junior high with lots of video game playing. And then I remember I used to get this magazine, PC Gamer. and yeah, Very familiar. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny because I didn't even really have a PC powerful enough to play the games. But like in reading the magazine, I realized that somebody was making this game. <laughs> And um, and that's kind of what I wanted to do. I kind of figured that out in high school. But, oh, geez, I was part of the generation that kind of first got AOL. And I used to run my phone cord over to my parents' room, the nearest uh, phone outlet, plug it into my Packard Bell computer, and, like, chat with random people I didn't know, um, other 13-year-olds. <laughs> and what actually happened was I learned about web pages because the web was very, like, it was like, it, there wasn't much, but I was a big fan of, um, you're, you're going to laugh at this. I was a big fan of Tyra Banks. 
Okay. So the first thing I did was I reverse engineered web pages by looking at the source, which is, I mean, still a common thing now, and yeah. learned how to make uh, HTML. And I made a page full of pictures of Tyra Banks. <laughs> Oh, so you're the one. <laughs> that was me. That was me. I was I was I was motivated by my uh, my admiration for Tyra Banks, and um, I made a web page, and um, so that was kind of how I, I started getting into it. Cool. And did you just like keep making web pages after that? Did you like? Um, you know, actually, I kind of didn't. I there was actually this uh, this is there was this point where I was just like, okay, I want to make video games, and I started looking into it, and there's this thing called a uh, Borland C and and I started looking at it and I knew a little bit about basic and I was just like you know what I'm gonna wait till college <laughs> that's what I actually thought to myself and then um, unlike a lot of people who kind of you know waver and everything while they're in college um, I actually went to college for computer science I knew that I was going to college for computer science since I don't know I was a sophomore in high school um, and then I went and finished my four years in computer science and that's where I actually learned to code um, while I was in school so I knew about it in high school but I just I said nah <laughs> well cool so then you went to school for computer science? Is that what your degree was focused on? Yeah, I went to the University of California in Riverside, and I got my um, bachelor's of science in computer science. Okay, cool. Awesome. And then right after that, you just jumped right into game programming? Yep, basically. So while I was in college, you had these kind of like uh, project classes. And I had looked at some of the projects of my colleagues who were making video games, and I thought that it looked really difficult. <laughs> and so I started doing some other stuff. And I actually remember, it's kind of funny how life works out. I was in my, um, my senior project class and we had a, an, an advisor. The advisor was just a graduate student there at the university. And basically he put us all in a room one day and taught us PHP. And, um, you know, PHP being, um, at least at that point in God, 05, was kind of the language for web. And so I learned PHP and worked on that, uh, that senior project. It was like me and one other guy and the other, and the, all, everybody else didn't do the work because it was college. <laughs> yeah. But I learned PHP really well. And then when I went to the industry, I started uh, working in PHP. I got a job at um, a small hosting company down in um, Orange County in Southern California. And um, I, so even though I started by wanting to get into gaming, I quickly realized that I wanted to get into web. It's actually kind of funny because when you think when I was in junior high, um, web was the first thing that I was into. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I'm, I'm always curious about game programming too. Um, I, I actually don't know any game programmers, but I hear the horror stories. I hear how hard it is um, to do game programming. Um, did you find it difficult to... Like, what was, did you, do you still have any interest in getting into, like, developing games? You know, games like you know I don't. It, it's funny that you mentioned that. So I was a senior there in college, you know, saying, okay, I got to go find a job. And I remember looking into kind of what type of jobs are available. And EA Sports is the company that made Madden. Or they're the publisher. And gaming is pretty complicated. I think a smaller studio made the game, actually. But anyway, I remember reading some of the horror stories about how, 
uh, people were putting in 50, 60 hour weeks. They were working six days a week, sometimes seven days a week, all to put the game out. And then once the game came out, maybe they get, you know, six weeks off or something along those lines. And, um, I, you know, I'd, I'd have to I'd have to double check, but they might have been sued over it. Um, and I just remember thinking, like, that wasn't the type of work environment that I wanted to start my career in. <laughs> Um, from what I do know of game development is just that it's a it's very 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 intense it's cutthroat um, most of the engineers who I know who have spent time in gaming um, they describe that kind of really intense atmosphere and there's also strangely enough like a lot of layoffs once the once the game is complete they say hey you know thanks for making this companion app to Call of Duty uh, turns out we don't need you anymore yeah yeah, it's a it's a pretty volatile world, uh, especially in game programming. So, um, hats off to anybody who does it. Like, that's, yeah. uh, it's it's definitely not for the uh, faint of heart. No, not at all. So cool. So you got you got into web after after college. So how did you get to eHarmony? So I spent a few years at this um, hosting company, um, and at this point in time, in two thousand five to I guess two thousand eight, there really wasn't front-end engineering. It was just you were a software engineer and you wrote code. <laughs> yeah. And and so that was everything from writing the database to dealing with the, um, the serving uh, software like Apache or whatnot. Um, writing, I remember writing the order pages and doing all of this sort of stuff. And um, eventually when it, it became clear that I, I had grown as all I was going to grow at that particular company, I started looking around and um, eHarmony was really nice because um, it was it was a company with a mission um, to to lower the divorce rate in America. So it really kind of appealed to my the, like the soft side of, you know, doing work that that has a purpose. Um, I remember once being um, when I was in college, I was in this this group called Nesby, the National Society of Black Engineers, and I remember hearing a talk about a guy. He worked at HP. He was at, at an internship in HP, and he was working on printer drivers. And he was thinking to himself, like, what good is this? <laughs> because so very few people have printers. And so I've always kind of been drawn to things that have a chance to have a little bit more of a of an impact um, and actually help people. And so eHarmony was great for that. Now, once I was at eHarmony, I was doing a lot of the same stuff, really, just a lot of PHP. And what happened was it became clear that there were members of the team who were better at the visual display, the things appearing in HTML and CSS and JavaScript. And so it kind of naturally um, went that way. And so when there was a reorganization inside eHarmony, um, I moved over to the front end team at that point. Cool. So would you consider yourself a front-end engineer today? Like, is that what you focus on? I kind of prefer the term web engineer. Um, I do focus on front-end. I prefer front-end. Um, I spend most of my time. I spend most of my time in front-end technologies. For instance, if I'm if I'm doing a, a project on the side, I'm usually building it in Node because um, I'm primarily a JavaScript engineer at this point in time. Um, I can do PHP. I can do Python. I can do Perl of all things, but. Um, it's it's a lot nicer to kind of spend time in the language you're most familiar with, and for me, that's JavaScript. Cool. So um, you've been doing JavaScript then for a while, then uh, let's, since you've been uh, in web. Let's call it four years. 
four years? Okay, cool. So you've, been, you've seen it long enough to see the transition of what it used to look like and now what ES6 is today? Yeah, I got to tell you, it is, it's pretty crazy. When I started uh, all those years ago, um, JavaScript was this kind of like helper language that you would use just sometimes. No one really knew how to use it, at least where I was. We were doing all the real stuff in PHP, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember when Ajax hit. Ajax is, um, if your listeners aren't familiar, it's the idea of um, going to fetch information and displaying it on a page um, without necessarily reloading the page. And that was really a transformational tool for us. We were a hosting company, so we had an order page. And um, the first idea I had of the place to use it was the simple fact of saying, if someone wants to buy a domain name, let's have them click a button. We'll go search our domain name database, see if it's available, and tell them that right in the page without a page reload. And that, I think, really improved the usability of, of the page. I'm sure it made our, our, our customers happy, and it was really cool for us. The funny thing is that um, we used to return XML. The X and Ajax is uh, it's asynchronous JavaScript and XML. And that's we used to return XML, and very clearly we, it became clear, like, yeah, XML sucks. Let's not return that. <laughs> and now you look at it, and JavaScript is is used for front end to back end. It's used for very low level stuff. There's things that um, there's like network and the networking services that are built in Node. There's websites that are built from the front end in JavaScript still, of course, and their back end is in JavaScript. It has kind of technologies like JSON that are you know kind of related to JavaScript are powering a lot of the web with is it, it's um, it's more or less the de facto serialization format that everyone kind of is ex expected to know how to read and it's really it's frankly grown a lot more important when at one point it was just this helper little language that you would use to um, you know populate a, a, a check marker or something <laughs> populate an input field or something like that yeah yeah I mean it's 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 definitely grown a lot. I've only been doing this for like three years, so I mean, mm -hmm. less than the amount of time you've been actually doing JavaScript. I've been doing like actual web programming. Mm -hmm. But uh, just even the last three years, it's kind of crazy how different it's changed. Like when I first got into programming, jQuery was like the de facto way of interacting with JavaScript. Yeah. Um, and it you couldn't get away with doing like pure JavaScript, like our vanilla JavaScript, whatever you want to call it, because um, most people use jQuery on their pages. So I learned jQuery. And now, now I'm very into like this react thing and yeah. also there's like all these other frameworks and stuff like that like what's what's your opinion on on the the way javascript's now this like taken over but also this this framework and javascript the fatigue as well like i, I think it's um i think it's very interesting i think that so i've been doing this a while and what i've learned is that it's usually best not to jump into two new technologies too soon. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and what I mean by that is it's sometimes when, when a technology is new, you don't know what it's going to look like. And I also see people jump into new technologies immediately and throw away those old technologies. Like yeah. people just, just uh, bash jQuery all the time. 
And um, there are some things that jQuery does and continues to do that are, frankly, like wonderful. Like has class, I think it, it actually might be built into the new uh, JavaScript, but has class was way better than splitting a class into an array and then doing an index of. Like that was a pain in the butt, and has class was really useful. Same thing with toggle class. Like there are some parts of it that just made it just made life a whole lot easier. And um, and so it, it's funny to just see people act as if those things aren't useful anymore um, yeah. when they are still useful. And basically, if, if I decide to stop using jQuery, I'm going to go ahead and write a polyfill for, I'm going to write my own function for toggle class any damn way. So <laughs> what was the point? But in terms of moving into things like React or Angular or Ember, um, I spent a lot of the last few years um, at eHarmony, we were doing Backbone. And it was nice because... Um, it was Backbone isn't particularly opinionated out in terms of what you do with Backbone. It's just like, hey, here's a, here's your model, here's your views, like ha have fun with them. And um, and I was a big I was a big fan of that in terms of that it's a tool to augment your skill instead of. I don't know, I would put it, uh, to take it out, out of web, more like Rails, where it's just like, this is how you're doing it. And so yeah. I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's very interesting, but um, it moves really, 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 really fast. I started messing with React. Next thing I know, set props is gone. Next thing I know, prop types are on their way out. Um, I'm seeing context being used, but don't use it too much. It's still, to me, very much in flux. So it's very curious to see how some people are only writing things in React um, when some of the old technologies are still good, at least for now. Yeah. And I, to your point that you made earlier, too, I can't tell you how many times I've actually written a toggle class method in a new project and like yeah. reused that through the entire project in React. Um, I basically, I'm, I'm rewriting jQuery functionality <laughs> just so I can uh, mirror what I'm used to. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I did the same thing. There was, a, there was an old... Um, JavaScript framework, or it was like more of a library um, called Moodle Tools, and I remember preferring the animations of Moodle Tools to the ones that existed in jQuery. This is before CSS animations. <laughs> and I started using Moodle Tools, and I think I spent four hours rewriting it into, oh, not jQuery, I was rewriting Prototype. Prototype was a, one of the old, um, one of the jQuery and Prototype kind of came out around the same time, and Prototype was just a different, a different opinion on how to do some things. And I was just writing all this Prototype and stuff into Moodle tools, and I said, "What's the point? What am I doing?" <laughs> and I went back to using Prototype. Yeah, cool. So you made a similar jump that I did. I actually moved to the Bay Area for a job. You mm. also just recently moved to the Bay Area um, for a job. Yeah, so um, I was at eHarmony for seven and a half years, and I had learned a lot there, but it was time for me to, 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 to see some new things. And so when I began, began looking for a job, um, I had, um, I went, I, I went ahead and I pretended it was my NBA free agency, if you're familiar with basketball. <laughs> yeah, and point. I went and I took meetings with um, just about everyone I could, uh, mostly in the L.A. area. But um, up here in the Bay Area, I was actually, I was actually contacted by Pinterest. And um, I liked a lot of what they had to say. I liked the diversity of the engineers that I was interviewed with. One of the crazy things was I interviewed at six places um, during my job search. And I was interviewed by... 
three female engineers at Pinterest and one female engineer at all five other places combined. And I just, I, I couldn't believe that there was a place that there was actually diversity in engineering. And so that and the fact that, you know, Pinterest is um, a lot less overt than eHarmony, but it's, it's an idea, it's a, it's a, it's a site and it, it's a company that, you know, helps people find the things they're looking for. And, you know, I like to have some sort of mission in the companies I work for. So I decided to pack up the family and move here and, um, and see what it was like in the Silicon Valley. Yeah. And it's funny, you mentioned the MBA free agency, like, I, I just recently changed jobs about six months ago, mm-hmm. and uh, my dad made a joke about me being the LeBron James of uh, <laughs> engineering. Uh, I, I had made a jump into a team with uh, a, a ton of senior engineers. Um, yeah. I'm actually the most junior on the team, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know if I, that would make me LeBron James. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's pretty funny that you at this time that like, we have the ability to not command. I think that's a really bad word, but to be able to choose like if we want to work at a company that actually is doing cool things like we have an opportunity to like choose that like yeah when i came from sales like you just sold and like if you happen to get a job that sold really good stuff then you're lucky but most of the time you sold stuff regardless of what it was so well, well that's actually a thing that is very different from the bay area in the short time i've been here versus los angeles so in that time of my job search in in la and a little bit of orange county i had kind of exhausted the places that I was willing to go work. Um, There were, I think, um, I never did an interview with Snapchat down there. Um, It didn't work out um, in the middle. But what I was, if I had, let's say I had interviewed at those places and decided not to leave, right? Let's say I had decided to stay at eHarmony, and then a year or two later decided to go look, I would have been applying at all the same places. And here, what I'm seeing in the Bay Area is there's just a, there's such a concentration of different companies that I can't believe how many jobs are available in types, in all types of things and with so many interesting technologies, so many interesting um, products that are being built. Uh, it's it's actually remarkable. I, I still kind of get o- can't get over the fact that on my commute into work, I see so many companies that I use. I see Atlassian, I see Postmates, Airbnbs around the corner. Like I just, I just can't believe the the pure concentration. And I haven't even been to the South Bay and the Silicon Valley where um, Facebook, Google, and others are. And so it's a, it's really remarkable to me. Yeah, that's that's actually a good point too, as far as the the opportunities out here in the Bay Area. Um, I, I, it gets kind of not it gets old. I think uh, when I when I was working at uh, in Florida, it was pretty common for people to work at some of the best companies in like Orlando and Tampa. And then once you kind of work at those two companies, like you give you five years here and five years there, most people ended up working either for their themselves or working remote mm. uh, for a company. And uh, that's that's basically when you're. It seemed like in Florida that was basically the only option. After a while, if you wanted to decide to do something better or more meaningful, then making WordPress sites and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I guess uh, we're a bit spoiled to be here in the Bay Area. And also, even on the West Coast, I think it's quite different from the East Coast as far as, like, different types of technologies you can actually work with and, like, actual products. So I think I, I, I definitely uh, feel the same way and it had the same reasoning for moving out here to Oakland and uh, working in uh, SF. Yeah, it's, um, it, is, it is a spoiled thing. Um, I don't know what it's like for you, but when I when I when I talk about my job with 
people who don't work in the tech industry, um, uh, I get a lot of like joking, you know, screw you type things. <laughs> Just because of um, a lot of the perks that we often get at some of these companies. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, we we met at uh, at the React uh, training mm -hmm. at Pinterest. I was actually pretty impressed with Pinterest. Um, by far, they probably have one of the best spaces I've I've seen so far. I know the space is fairly new, so mm -hmm. we do have that advantage of being able to craft based on uh, what everybody else likes. Um, but yeah, super awesome place, super awesome um, perks inside the building, and I'm sure it's got a pretty good work-life balance as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it's pretty good. And even when I was at a company that wasn't quite so fancy, um, Eddie Harmony, you know, just simple things like, um, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't have a particular time I need to be in in the morning. Things like that, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, or I, I leave when the workday is complete. Think, just things like that or that aren't quite so uh, strict as they are in other industries. Yeah, and that's, that's like one of my biggest uh, reasons for switching careers. So I, I mentioned, uh, I, but I don't know if you know, but I actually used to do sales is what mm. my job was before out of college. And uh, I made the decision to move over to programming. Um, and one of the biggest things I liked about it was the work-life balance. So I have a, I have a small child. Uh, mm -hmm. He's actually turning three in a week. Oh, and, nice. Uh, he, from the point he was born, I started actually uh, looking into this programming thing, learning on the side, and made that career change. And I've loved it ever since because I've been able to, like, today I'm working from home. Uh, Thursday I'll probably work from home. And uh, if I do go into work tomorrow, I'll probably go into work at 11 o'clock. You yeah. know, so I can, like hang out with him, go to, even go to the park before work and stuff like that. It's like unreal. Like I had no, no sense of that sort of freedom in my last jobs and, yeah. uh, and we're non-programming. So it's a, it's pretty awesome. It, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a nice life. Yeah. So you moved from LA and you mentioned uh, in college that you actually part of a organization for, it was like blacks and technology. It was uh, called the National Society of Black Engineers. I was okay. a, I was actually the president down at UCR back in okay. 04, 03, something like that. Cool. Was there uh, a lot of members in the organization at the time? Um, you know, honestly, there weren't. There were probably about eight in the, in the years that I was in it. Um, there were, yeah, it would fluctuate between eight and 12 people. Um, so, the, just to give you a little color, the university I went to was probably around 10,000, 12,000 people at the time. Engineering was the smallest college in the university with probably maybe 1,000 people. So, um, okay. And there, there, were, there were more students, but those were the only ones there. Cool. And then are you a part of any other organizations today um, that focused on... Yeah, actually, I'm a part of a uh, professional organization called Dev Color, which is for um, black software engineers. And so um, for me, from a um, uh, selfish reason, I, I need to meet some more. Um, I need to meet some more engineers. You know, I'm new to the area and um, I just find it um, interesting that um, that that there's an organization out there that um, that I can see um, that I can be a part of. Um, a funny thing about Nesby is um, that two of my, I guess, peers, I suppose, back from the National Society of Black Engineers in college, um, actually the president before me and the president after me. <laughs> um, we're all, all three of us are up here. Uh, one's at Uber, I'm at Pinterest, and the, last, and the other guy's at, at Apple. So I'm just like, hey, we did it. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. yeah, small world, man. It is a very, very, very small world um, in... In, in that um, 
that subject of just kind of the there's just not a lot of um, of and black engineers that that I've met so far, and of the ones I've met, it's really strange because we already know the same people. Yeah. <laughs> so it's um it's something that it's actually kind of interesting because I never thought about it while I was in Los Angeles. It just was the way it was. Um, but now I'm noticing it. Um, it's a it's kind of like a complicated subject that I don't have a ton of solutions for, but um it's a it's it's something that's out there. Yeah. 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 I've I've run into so many different people and people will mention like, Hey, do you know so-and-so? And I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. I've, uh, we actually, we talk on Twitter or I met him at this conference and this like, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty unreal how small the community is, I guess, for black engineers. Yeah. Uh, and even like people of color, I, since I, I identify as, you know, male and, and black, like that, those are the people I usually like, well, if I find someone else like that, I'll get to know them and stuff like that. Cause you know, it's nice to have other people that can encourage me. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure if it's the same way for other, you know, I guess other check boxes in the, the, the POC or the, uh, minority group. But, um, yeah, it'd be hmm. interesting. I probably yeah. have to interview someone else from a different background to, to find it out, but I'd be really interested to know. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where it's, um, it's very, 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 almost never a problem, but it is, uh, it is a thing that you notice. Yeah. And, uh, so and I think it's hard cause like I've even had like coworkers and like people who are actually pro diversity who are looking to increase. Cause I've always been like number one, I've been one of like, like 10 or one of whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've only worked at like smaller companies. So it, it's, it's always been, I've always been a very large diverse diversity number, even though I've been the one, mm-hmm. um, but coworkers will ask me like, "Hey, what do you think? Like, should we go to this? Should we do this scholarship? Should we like participate in this venue and stuff like that?" And like, sometimes I just don't have the answers. Like, I don't, I don't lead any movements. I've never been a president of anything or like that. But I think what really goes down to it, I actually wrote an article about this on Medium, and it's uh, if you're if you're familiar with sports, uh, University of Miami, they, mm-hmm. um, they had a thirty for thirty, um, the U on it's a, it was on Netflix for a while. I think it probably still is, and uh, my. My blog post, what I was getting at, is the way they recruited, like, way to Miami, which was a private, it's a private college that was focused mainly on medicine. So most people who went to this private college wanted to become some sort of doctor in medicine. So, and they had these sports programs that weren't very good at all, just because the focus was not sports. It was for, like, the medicine program. And uh, their coach had in the 80s, um, uh, it was like Howard Schlesenberger or something like that, some weird uh, European last name. But anyway, he uh, would basically his recruiting effort was going to the neighborhood surrounding um u of m and like knocking door to door and like saying hey i know you played high school football here like would you be interested in coming and try out and walking on to my Mm. program and then like eventually granting scholarships and like it worked so well that what would happen was as all these people who would come and play for his program at this private college the families and the younger brothers and siblings would show up at the games and they became, they grew this like weird, this culture of everybody loved Miami so much because this is where so-and-so got a chance. And this is where so-and-so like, like got to the NFL because of this school. So like, I'm not going to go to play for Oklahoma or Alabama or whatever big school was in the eighties. I'm going to play for Miami because this is where my brother went. This is where my cousin went. And uh, it just created this, this culture where for years they dominated because they had kept recruiting all this talent of people who nobody wanted. And uh, mm. that's what my blog post was about. Like, 
I think the more and more chances, I think a lot of this is some flack that comes back with like having these diversity scholarships and having like this, this push to get more diverse speakers and, and conferences and stuff like that and, and leadership. And I think though it looks bad because you know nobody likes affirmative action, nobody likes giving chances just because of the way someone was born. But it's, it's really encouraged me for like, when I run into someone like you who's been doing this for longer, like I, I imagine we're probably actually around the same age and you've been doing this longer than me and you've gotten this earlier. Like I'm just fascinated because I had a similar background where I got into games and I did a lot of programming. I, I, I read PC Gamer and Nintendo Power and all that other stuff. And I ended up getting a finance degree because that was safer for me. It was yeah. safer to get that college degree and get a, a decent job and like just get out of like the, the perpetual poverty that my, my parents went through. Yeah, I, I will say, you know, it's funny that you, you mentioned that. Like, uh, my, my dad actually, uh, he, was in, he was in finance, and he was telling me, I remember growing up as a kid, and he was just being like, those analysts, he, he, called, he called them analysts. <laughs> um, they, I think they were the, the software engineers at the time. He was like, those guys, they come in late, they do whatever they want. And I was like, that sounds great. <laughs> but it's, a, it's actually funny what you're, what you're mentioning with, about diversity. One of the other benefits of diversity, other than, basically, one of the benefits of diversity is that you get more ideas in the room. So if you have all people of one, um, of, of a similar, of the same gender or, or similar race or things like that, then they are more likely to have had similar life experiences. And when you bring in another person, maybe a female, maybe you bring in um, a Latino engineer, maybe you bring in someone who um, has had different life experiences, there's different ways they can actually look at a problem. I remember um, once... Um, I was in a meeting at eHarmony, and we, I don't know what we were talking about, but we were talking about, um, I think it was, oh boy, we were trying to make a decision about how we were going to move forward with the feature, and I was the only one, I was the, I was the only person of color in the room, I was the only, um, there were no women in the room, and I was the only one who said, hey guys, like, there are protected classes that we can't do things for or against, <laughs> you know? And it was just like, oh, because no one else had thought of that sort of thing. And so one of the reasons I joined Pinterest, I mentioned before with the women, and just seeing that there was a place where the idea of having diversity so that you can get more ideas in the room and have more points of view and um, because more points of view means that you have a better product, really. It's, 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 almost, it's almost like a business decision. Decision. We want a better product, so we want the people who can give us a better product. Um, that was really important to me. Yeah, and it, it, what's even awesome, more awesome about the, the having actual female engineers interview you is it's nice to see like the decision-making, like understand like the decision-making actually is being made by people with those different perspectives too. Because mm -hmm. it's like one thing going to the interview and there's this whole big push for like culture fit and like, will, this will these people like gel with these other people on the team? And when culture fit is all coming from, um, nothing against them, but just white males, like white males are all gonna like the same thing. Like there's so, there's so many like uh, tech, like I, I like Star Wars, I like, you know, Doctor Who, I like all that stuff too. But there's so many people that don't really relate to things like that. So when you're like your your actual um, what do you call it job description actually says, oh, you have to like you know like all the characters. Like I've seen this before. Like know all the like actually be able to name three doctors and like can name like the enterprises like you know Fox Capacitor and all this other stuff. Like it's uh, <laughs> it's cool to have those, like little you know um, niches and like geek culture and stuff like that. That but not everybody can relate to that thing. So no. when it comes to 
I interviewed at a place, and uh, it was really important that I really, really, really loved the game that they were making. Actually, it was actually a, an, an interview in the gaming industry, and um, it was just really interesting because it was just like, yeah, you know, I have all this experience, and it looks like you guys need a person with my experience, and um, I did pretty well in the interview, and they're like, yeah, but do you like this game, though? And <laughs> it's like... Yeah, it's it's a nice game. <laughs> it was um it was it was very it was very weird. That said, I've been on the other side um of the of the hiring um the interviewing table where I'm interviewing candidates, and it is kind of funny because sometimes you just don't like a person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that happens very rarely though. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's true, and it's just, it's nice to have that like, because it, like it's first impressions are hard. All it's always hard. Like, when you meet somebody for the first time, like, you don't know, like, if you need to mirror them, like, or if you need to, like, you know, mm. show how awesome you are in the interview and stuff like that. It's just, like, hard to really gauge that stuff. And Well, the interviewing um, process what... is, is all, it's all so stupid. Like, so, <laughs> so, so here's what it is, right? And, and it's even worse in, in non-engineering fields. And then in engineering, you, you have something like a half-day, full-day interview you, where you actually you interview with multiple people. You do, uh, you do these, these, these kind of technical interviews that are usually coding questions, which I'll get back to in a sec. In other, in other fields, um, people will go on a two-hour interview and talk to three people and answer random questions and then get a job. It's stupid. That's really stupid. In engineering, at least we get a chance to prove our skills, but we very, very often get a chance to prove our skills in things that aren't related. Like, I've gone on interviews where they'll ask me to uh, balance a red-black tree and it's just like, are we balancing red red trees? Is that something? Is that something that we do very often? Or they'll they'll ask me, uh, okay, go ahead and sort this, and I'll say, you know, like sort's been built in like since I've started college. Like I don't need to sort anymore, <laughs> you know. Like it's nice that I remember the sorting algorithms, but good lord, I don't use them. Like and so when there's interviews that have nothing to do with the type of work a person might do, it's it's almost like a farce. It's just like, can you solve these these puzzle-like questions, which to be clear are usually questions that are related to some of the theories behind classical computer science. So it's not like they're they're dumb questions. They're they're not the how many jelly beans are in this jar question. But it's just like, hey, you know. I'm not gonna if if your job involves bit shifting like yo I don't want to do it. Well, yeah, that's like that's really good. And it's like uh, I actually had uh, Phil Splitler um, was one of my guests like quite a few episodes ago, probably in the 30s. I don't remember what actual number. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes. But he actually wrote a Medium blog post about um, the secret handshake of sorry the secret handshake of coding interviews mm-hmm. and how like what you just mentioned like the questions where it's like how many jelly beans are in this jar like what's really the purpose of this question like there's no real purpose it's just like just to see you like struggle and sweat and like if you don't know the secret like like the one thing that comes to mind it's not a programming question but i got this question when i was in sales um it's a microsoft question and they asked like why are manhole covers round mm. <laughs> like it's a question with no answer like what's the purpose of that question like why would like you just want to see me stumble through like in this or if you want me to see bs an answer for you like I can do that but like what are we getting out of here yeah. and that's what sometimes I feel with some of these questions especially with like the sorting questions which is like if you're not using like the proper like either filter select or whatever that's built into the actual the API the language 
uh, then you're probably doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah, so. you should. You, you probably shouldn't be <laughs> writing sort from scratch, like unless you're doing something really special. Yeah, yeah. or unless you're a C programmer, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, awesome. Well, Kaden, uh, this actually was a really good conversation. We actually got on some really good tangents. Um, I actually appreciated your input on a lot of the different subjects for sure. I, hopefully uh, the listeners as well um, got a lot out of it. Um, but I just want to thank you for coming on today and uh, sharing how you got into programming and what you're doing today. Yeah, thank you so much. So it was fun and interesting chatting with people who have been in the industry so long. Um, it's funny because like, most people I talk to are around my age. Um, and have been either programming, just started programming, or have been programming for like 10 years, a couple of 10 plus years. And uh, it's uh, it's quite different to hear the experience, especially people who started programming in a time where things weren't really, really clear of how to get into web programming. Um, and even like how to get into game programming, um, which Caden um, actually uh, mentioned. So um, yeah. If you guys are super interested, uh, feel free to reach out to Kanan. I'll put his Twitter in the uh, in the show notes. Um, also, if you guys are interested in getting to chat, um, find me on the Code Newbies Slack. Um, we had Saran on here last week, and I'm in Code Newbies. I don't really participate in all the conversations, but I'm on there. So if you have questions for me, reach out to me directly there. How about that? Um, also, leave us a review on iTunes. Um, Stitcher, if you really, really want to still use that, uh, I'm kind of, I've, I'm done with Stitcher. I was really, really into Stitcher for the longest time and it just never got any better. So Stitcher, um, if you would like to, um, follow us there. Um, but rather, uh, try Overcast. Overcast is a great podcast app. If you're listening to this on the browser and you wanted a, a better opportunity to listen to podcasts, maybe while you're mobile on your mobile device, uh, try Overcast. Other than that, I will see you guys next week.